Welcome to another episode of Accidental Apprentice Podcast. I know, I've been away for a little while. I decided to take a moment and reflect upon where the podcast had been going and where 2019 was going to go. And in that time of reflection, I've come back with a few goals for next year, or for 2019 that is, in the podcast. First and foremost, I'm going to create a much more consistent schedule for everybody in which we're going to see episodes released twice a month on a bi-weekly basis. So that way, you can consistently check for the, the podcast in your favorite podcatcher and your subscription will be a little more flowing that way. So that's some feedback I've gotten from some of the audience. Secondly, we're going to start embracing wider topics of conversation and getting our guests to specialize in those worlds. For example... This episode is kicking off a series on diversity, inclusion, and equity. Today's guest is Anne-Marie Schroeder, who is a subject matter expert in the world of diversity, inclusion, and equity. I had the pleasure of hearing Anne-Marie speak at a conference. She was uh, delivering the keynote address, and I knew right away that she would be a great person to reach out to, to connect with for the podcast. Her past being a teacher, and then transferring into the world of workplace diversity and then transferring into this world where she's now a consultant who works with businesses and organizations and affiliations and goes into their workplaces and in their places of business and helps them build uh, initiatives and programs and just help to grow and enhance that culture of workplace diversity, inclusion, and equity. She breaks down even what those words mean. I know for myself, I wasn't even using the word equity. I was using the word equality. And we get into that conversation, which is kind of neat. It, it sounds almost like we're trying to be a little picky on the words here, but it actually means a lot. And the more we spend time listening and engaging, truly listening and engaging in these conversations around these types of topics, it's going to help us grow as individuals, help us understand the changing world of work, and help us frame the conversation for the next generation of worker and what their needs and wants look like going into tomorrow. And for you listeners that are the next generation of workers, this is going to give you some insight into where the world of work is, where they've come, and the progress they're making. So you won't be so quick to cast aside that they're not quite where they want to be yet in some cases. And because of that, you deter yourself and you go in a different direction. Understand everything is always progress. You know, I like to believe it's always progress. We can debate how much progress that is, but if the ball is moving forward, that's always a good sign. Here at Accidental Apprentice Podcast, we've had a pretty interesting year for 2018. You know, we started in May, and as we roll into the, the Christmas season as it is now, the holiday season now, I've had a little bit of time to reflect on the fact that I have a podcast. And secondly, um, I have an audience and I want to take a moment and thank all of you for coming on the journey this far and looking forward to coming for the journey next year and in 2019 as we embrace a lot of new and different things here on the podcast. For example, there's going to be some sponsors and the sponsors for the podcast, I am being, I'm not trying to say I'm being selective, but I'm trying to to gather uh, sponsors who want to partner with the podcast that makes sense to the audience. You know, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to the workforce, the existing workforce. I'm speaking to you parents. I'm speaking to educators and influencers. And of course, I'm speaking to you, tomorrow's worker, whether you be in high school, college, between careers, or thinking of making a move. So like many podcasts that I look to um, as role models, I'm being somewhat selective to make sure that the sponsors and partners I bring together add value to the podcast, but also maybe be something you'd be interested in knowing more about. I just don't want to bring anybody on. I've set this up as a service for those to engage and explore the world of work that I wish I had the opportunity to do in this fashion when I was younger. It would have been helpful. Um, I was somewhat lazy and, and exploring the world of work was a lot more challenging. We didn't quite have the freedom of the internet the way we did. And we certainly didn't have an opportunity where people putting out conversations and dialogue like this, whether it be YouTube, podcast, or the amount of people that are out there advocating and doing keynotes around the world of work, skilled trades, you know, non-traditional and unconventional career paths. So the conversation is expanding. 
the you know the curtain is being lifted and everyone's trying to share their secrets their successes and their trials and tribulations along the way and this podcast i hope is going to serve as a hub uh, i'm hearing from people that it's been serving as a hub and it's resonating and it's growing Heck, I've had a few instances this year where in public, I was actually recognized as the accidental apprentice, not actually Adam Melnick. So that was kind of funny. And I appreciate that. I tip my hat to uh, to those listening and engaging on this, this podcast. So I appreciate that. So without any further ado, let's get into this episode. Here's Anne-Marie Schrouder from annemarieschrouder.com. Welcome to another episode of Accidental Apprentice, Odd Jobs Explored, with your host, Adam Melton. And it's usually on laughter, which is a good thing. Yeah, that's, that's It great. shows for a good episode. That's if it's great. not on laughter, I start to think to myself, where did I mess up? I missed something along the way, so... <laughs> we try to make it entertaining. But with that being said, I should do a formal welcome to Thank another you. episode of Accidental Apprentice Podcast. Welcome to you out there, whoever's listening. I would assume mom and a few friends, but um, <laughs> whoever else we can rope into this. Anyways, I am here Are with... Are you sure your mom's listening? Probably not, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> I just saw her in Edmonton a little while ago. I should have asked. I should have checked her phone. Not even asked. Right, like, checked check her phone. phone. Yeah. 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 Even just subscribe people. Pretend, right? Um, <laughs> anyways, I'm here with someone that struck me as an amazing conversation. Um, I saw you at a work engagement recently and I say recently, but it feels like it was quite a few weeks ago now. It was um, the beginning of October. Yeah. See there, there you go. Yeah. That was a while ago. It was a while ago. Uh, life is blending together. But anyways, um, I was very, very fortunate to hear this, this marvelous woman speak and even more fortunate to like bombard her the evening before when it was during the reception <laughs> where she was sitting in conversation and I basically just came in and, and like a bull in a china shop started uh, stealing her away from everybody because um, her conversations or how she was branded, I put it this way, how she was branded, I don't know if actually know it was her choice to be branded this way, but she had been branded across the, um, the conference I was attending as a diversity inclusion expert yep okay and so it was intentional it was intentional okay Absolutely. i wasn't sure because i've been to a lot of places where the, the the label that is provided for the the you know the subject matter expert misses the mark sometimes people shorten it up they combine it they change oh, it yeah. so no. i wasn't sure if it was your your call on exactly how that was written or not um but i was so intrigued because uh talking about the world of work talking about career pathways and the fact that we are trying to take non-traditional careers and try to, how do you put it, broaden the horizons, you know, make equal opportunity a true, not a phrase, just a way of life. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of conversation and thoughts on this. Um, I come from a, a industry, you know, construction that is <clears throat> noted very, very candidly for not being effective at this. Mm -hmm. um, and it was very interesting that the event I was at, which was a construction orientated uh, event, uh, you were there to speak on this topic. Yeah. And so that was... I was the keynote. You were the keynote. Yes. And yeah, uh, that was exciting. It was setting a tone, I think, for a lot of leaders in the room that mm -hmm. things need to or, uh, well, they definitely need to change. And I think we need to take a hard look at how we are changing. Right. So you and I talked about lots of different things that night. And it was mm -hmm. very entertaining. And I thought, oh my God, like, please, please, please come on the podcast. <laughs> so it's always the same thing where I, I wait for a long period of time and going, okay, is this the right moment? Like they feel like they still like me. It hasn't <laughs> been too much conversation. This is the right time to ask. Cause I've hit people coming right off the stage of the keynote and like, I just hit them with a podcast. Yeah. I must've well been like one of those reporters with the old hats and the press thing and the camera. <laughs> it was so bad. So I'm learning to get better at it. Um, it was fine. It was it great. Was fine. And I'm happy to be here. No, thank you. And I, as I said, you sparked an entire series that I'm doing. Um, I've lined That's up, amazing. I've lined up four, possibly five more guests that are all, they're all women mm -hmm. and they're all doing something different in the relationship of their respective careers. Okay. But it, bigger than that, they're all playing a role in trying to drive change, Great. whether it's based on equity, mm -hmm. as we're going to talk about, you're going <gasps> to, you you're working on a, a correcting me a little <laughs> bit. Um, and, and also just, uh, overall diversity Great. and, and the whole mantra for most of the folks that we're speaking to is about doing things differently. Yeah. Now, why I want to leave with you, Anne-Marie. Emory Schrouder, sorry, I didn't introduce that part yet. Um, why I want to lead with you was to help set the tone for the series on clearing up some of the conversation on even what diversity should look like versus mm -hmm. what people are thinking it looks like. Right. 
How are we, right. how are we encountering that? Um, what does it really mean? How, how do we make it impactful? Inclusion mm-hmm. is a conversation where I feel like my mind is moving towards mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm worried I'm getting too far ahead of myself, but I don't think there's enough conversation about when we attract, um, you know, and we start opening the doors and attracting and bringing people into careers that they weren't traditionally in. Mm-hmm. How are we keeping them there? Yeah. I don't think those numbers are very good. No. So that conversation. And then uh, as I keep referring to it as equality and you have uh, pointed out to me equity and they're two right. different things. I think different. there's our three talking points and okay. I'm sure we're going to be all over the place. And I have a sneaking suspicion with uh, the way our conversation will roll. We might end up doing this again because I'd be happy to. Yeah. It's a big topic, right? It is. It is. And that's a really cheap hook for me to make you come back on. Sure. Yeah. Get you on live with that. No so problem. it changes everything. <laughs> <Rats>. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's, let's start with, uh, let's actually start with you a little okay. bit here. Okay. Um, the guests are probably already saying I'm talking too much and we're going to start shutting that down here. So Anne-Marie, <laughs> I'm sure when you were, you know, 10, 11 years old, you woke up one day and thought to yourself, you know what, I am going to be an expert in the (laughs) world of workplace diversity and uh, be able to speak to inclusion and equity, and I'm going to help change the world that way. And so how did you get to that point then? Yeah, when I was 10, I was doing this. Okay. I had a little microphone, I had um, no headphones and my my tape recorder at the time, so I'm dating myself, and I was pretending I was a talk show host. Oh, nice. So this is kind of my, what I really want to do, like one day, right? Okay. Um, But when I was a kid, I don't know what I wanted to do when I was a kid, but I entered the world of diversity, inclusion, and equity through teaching. Okay. So I was an elementary school teacher for a number of years, and my very first year teaching, I took a summer course called the inclusive classroom or the inclusive curriculum, something like that. And so um, your listeners can't see me, but I'm a person of color. Um, I'm also a member of the LGBTQ community. And so I knew about inclusion or a lack of inclusion, right? From okay. a personal place. Um, but it was the first time that I'd actually had the opportunity to consider it through a sort of professional lens. And what we talked about in that course was, you know, the reasons why you need to make a classroom inclusive, why, why kids have to see themselves in, the books you read and the characters in those books in the examples you give in what you're teaching them about right and have a chance to share their knowledge and experience in your classroom to make it meaningful for them and we know that was in the 90s okay so we knew even then that that increases self-esteem and increases engagement and success and right and, right. and it helps kids do better in school i'm a product of that generation so thank you okay great <laughs> <laughs> um Interestingly, though, and as an aside, we were just coming out of the conversation or we're maybe not even coming out of the conversation yet where teachers were really proud that they were treating all kids the same. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And that's where the equity piece comes in because you can't treat all kids the same. Although we had just come out of a of a period of active discrimination. Yes. Right. Yeah. So when you look at the context, when you come out of a period of active discrimination to, to start Thinking about all kids being the same is actually a step in the right direction. It's definitely right? a step forward, yeah, yeah. And so that was that was great. And then and then you have to move a little bit further. And so what happened after that was that we started talking about equity. And so treating everybody the same is equality. Right. And of course we want to treat everybody with the same amount of dignity and respect, right? And see them and acknowledge them. But where equity comes in and where it's important is that we're not all the same. We have very different experiences because of who we are. We live, literally live in different worlds because of who we are, even if we're in the same classroom, in the same workplace, in the same city. And because of that, we have different needs. Right. Okay, so simple example. A kid um, in your classroom that comes from a family with low income that doesn't have breakfast in the morning can't concentrate, right? So if I treat all my kids the same in my class and I'm thinking you should all be focused, you should all be ready to learn, you've all had a good breakfast because I did, yeah. right because it's my experience then i'm missing i'm missing the opportunity to support that child by having a breakfast program in the school That's right. so that they can succeed that day yes right and, and yeah and, and the conversations i'm starting to explore a little bit deeper now in uh the world the workplace it, that should be so simplistic mm-hmm. but it's even just trying to get them people to open their eyes to the perspective of the, that different start yeah. Even just accept that it's a different start. Yeah. I haven't even asked you to do anything about it yet. Right. Just yeah. focus on the fact that not everyone woke up and started the day the same way right. from the same place. Right. And don't hold anyone in less regard because of that. It, it, and it's not even about holding people in less regard. It's about 
not recognizing one of my favorite things to say in workshops or presentations is you can be in the same situation as somebody having a completely different experience. Wow. Right? For Absolutely. Reason, for, for reasons of identity. Never mind how you're, you know, what kind of sleep you had the night before, right? Just for reasons of identity. So I'm female, you're male. We're sitting, right? We can be in the same situation having a completely different experience just because of gender difference. Never mind racial difference. Never mind age difference. Never, right? Never mind family history. It changes. History, it complexes everything. Yeah. Right? And so any, any environment you're in, just that awareness alone changes the conversation because we walk through the world knowing what's true for us. Okay, so right? you're, just, you're just touching the iceberg on why I had to have you on. Um, so fast forward a little bit then. So you you uh, started through the world of teaching. So yeah, so let's, I was a teacher. To um, I taught for five years and then I was, um, I had enough of that. <laughs> what, did you teach uh, elementary, high school? I taught elementary school. Elementary I school. taught grade five. Um, well, that's a tough, and, that's uh, a tough year. It was a tough age for yeah. me. I think if I taught high school, I might still be teaching. Okay. I think the age was a bit of a mismatch for me, but I had, um, I found it difficult because I wanted to teach things like social justice and community building and dialogue and stuff. And I couldn't wrap my head. I know people, I know teachers that do this really well. They get the curriculum done and they layer over all this amazing, yummy, fantastic stuff. Right. But I had a hard time doing both and I was, I was fried. So by and the five-year mark, I taught full-time for three. I taught um, supply teaching for two, and then I left. Um, and then I dilly-dallied around for a couple of years in the restaurant world, um, sort of collected myself, and then I thought, okay, what do I want to do? And when I was a teacher, I was um, teaching in Peel, and at that time they were at the forefront of inclusion. Right. They had a program called The Future We Want. Okay. And uh, in the 90s, and um, no one else was really talking about it yet. And in that, as part of that program, they had a workshop for teachers. And so I was one of the teachers who helped to run that, not run that workshop, but facilitate that workshop. There was a group of us. Right. Um, and so that got me, you know, teaching about the inclusive classroom. So when I left teaching, I thought, oh, I would love to do that. I would love to teach teachers this stuff. Um, what I found was it was difficult to get back into the education setting because most of the school boards in the GTA around that time were just starting to hire equity officers. Uh -huh. So they weren't going to hire an independent in addition to the person they had on salary. So I went into the not-for-profit world and I started my company in 2004 and um, based on the idea that inclusion doesn't end, uh, the, the importance of inclusion doesn't end when you graduate from school. Mm. We all need that and it, it must be also important in a workplace. And so that's what I've been doing, working with organizations to create workplaces where people feel seen, heard, and valued. So you, you've been, you've been uh, in the recent wave of, I think, I want to call it growth and development, hopefully, mm -hmm. of the working world. You've been kind of been at the front end of this. So I, you, you've, been, you've been around been watching this happen. Yeah. So th these questions I'm going to, about to head into are going to be fantastic then. So you, you, your statement was that the world of diversity and inclusion doesn't end after high school. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Do you feel that it did? <sighs> from your experiences that you've seen hmm. when you started transitioning away from the education sector and started dealing with workplaces, um, were there places that surprised you where they were? And were there places that surprised you where they, pleasantly? And then hmm. you couldn't believe where they were? You felt like you were in a time machine? Yeah, I still feel like that. Right, because not everybody's at the same place. Right, and and don't get me wrong, this the education system was just starting to have that conversation when I left. Right, so we weren't doing it. Which is the well '90s, either. by the way, folks. Yeah, yeah, the late '90s, and 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 it and just like in a workplace, every school is going to be different. Right, depends on the administration, right, and what's on their radar and how passionate they are about this stuff. Um, in the early 2000s, the provincial government put out the oh boy, equity equity and inclusive education strategy oh something yes something like that yes yes <clears throat> so i sat on that round table and gave feedback for that which was really exciting uh, but again it's a document right the document can arrive on your desk and you can choose to read it or not read it mm -hmm. so i think that there's always workplaces i walk into that i think wow they're doing this really well or that really well and and workplaces that i think oh my gosh what's happening here and even workplaces where both of those things can be happening at the same time i was just going to say there's there's yeah. probably the things they pick that they can accomplish with comfort or what they understand what they understand what's on their radar yeah right what's yeah. what's available to them in terms of and and what they can what they feel comfortable 
negotiating and navigating because some conversations are harder than others. And do you find, this is something I'm seeing and maybe just my interpretation and perspective of it, but I definitely see the age of the person. So, you know, I graduated high school in the year 2000 and I see my, I see, (laughs) don't feel bad. I have people on here that tell me they were born in the year like 97. I'm like, I remember where I was. Yeah. 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 So don't worry. We all have those moments. Um, But I, I look at the, the scenario of my colleagues, my friends, you know, that I, I around my age, um, we look at this conversation, many of us look at this conversation and shake our heads going, how is it even a conversation? Right. Like it, it, yes. even just having to label this stuff is almost pointless because it, by labeling it, we're identifying as a problem. And I look around and go, why, why is there a problem? Yeah. Like where are our heads are proverbially up our butts still? And this <laughs> is driving us nuts. I mean, even when I look at my children who, you know, I live in a, a, a pretty... I live out in Bowmanville. It's east of Durham for folks that know that. And uh, it's a pretty, I wouldn't say it's a diverse population by any means. Mm -hmm. But yet when I speak to and listen to not just my own children, because that's a bias, but listen to other children's stuff, they're... It, they don't. They look at the world so so yeah. much better, so beautifully, right? They get it, it in yeah. a way that we don't. And, so and beautifully. I, and I hope that's a, uh, I would imagine that's a product of an education system that's doing a better job of talking about difference, right? valuing difference, and, and celebrating difference. Oh, we're going to have to have right? an off-podcast conversation, too, about the, the changes in the education system recently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll do that off podcast. I'm okay. not supposed to get political on here. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll have a tea and talk about yeah, that. That's, yeah. Frustrating. I'll pull some hair out I don't have. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So back to the workplace conversation. Mm-hmm. So we see that everyone is, uh, most of the workplaces are starting from different places. Yes. Um, one of the challenges that's being identified um, or, or from the perspective of the workplaces that I hear, mm-hmm. and maybe you can help correct this. Uh, they feel like they're doing... Um, they're not discriminating. We accept everybody. You know, oh. we're fine. We don't. We don't label this. Um, but why should we change what we do to draw them in, or what should we right. change? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. where are we going with that? All right. So, uh, I'm so glad you brought that up. That's like I just, as you heard, I have a visceral reaction to that. Right. So I've. I think. I think in my 14 and a half years, I've worked with over 40 organizations, which translates into thousands of people. Right. Workshops, presentations, consulting. Um, speaking and that line any any iteration of everybody's welcome we don't discriminate you know we don't have a problem here is so uh it's poison because because it prevents us from having a real conversation right the challenge with that, and, and there's two sides to this, because I, I really believe that people believe that when they say it. It's not a line, yeah. right? They, they totally believe it. But I would, and I don't, have a, I don't have a statistic to give you, but I would say that in the majority of the cases, the lived experience of their employees or the people who applied or who might consider working there is not consistent with that statement. Not one bit. Not one bit. And here's why right? Inclusion is so, we've come a long way in the diversity conversation. We haven't come a long way in the inclusion conversation. I don't think people understand what inclusion really means. And you have to be proactive, right? If I say to you, I accept everyone. Well, that's great. But what what am I doing, saying and showing that somebody is going to get that and believe that? Mm -hmm. And that's what we're not doing well, because we think that we're in our own experience. So me as the CEO or, or the, you know, the director of a particular department might think that I'm being completely inclusive because it's working for me, right? And people like me. Mm. But where we fall short is that we don't have a broader awareness and conversation to consider who we are missing and therefore who may not feel included. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a journey that, we have, that I take people on, right? That doesn't click overnight. Um, because we, we see and experience the world through our bodies. Right. And so, um, like I said, you can be in the same situation as somebody having a different experience and not know it. And you, you get yourself surrounded around people with similar opinions and views as well. I mean, let's mm-hmm. be fair. If I start talking about executive level management or just management at large, 
they're being surrounded by colleagues and coworkers of most often a similar mindset if they relate to the world of work, similar career trajectories or mm -hmm. pathways, or typically they don't do a lot of out of the box hiring as they call it, where someone came from a different career path. Like, right. like for example, I went to school for rec and leisure, ended up in construction. Mm -hmm. You know, you consider that an out-of-the-box career, but but because I wasn't management, no one really cares. Hmm. Now, if I was to, say, go from the world of rec and leisure and end up as a estimate project manager or something on a construction site, there's an out-of-the-box hire. Right. But the reality is that's not going to happen because you need certain credentials. They're going build, right. to build that pathway for you. Right. So over that pathway, it's almost like they feel that there's a lot of similarities and so when they get to that level, they can communicate and converse and mm -hmm. everything is, uh, is clean, clean and clear and, and they're on the same wavelength and right. you know, they, they build uh, a relationship and then it becomes comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then they go back to saying, see, like we don't, you know, everything's fine here. We have no problems here. Right. And the, but the problem is there, there's such a specificity to how that person got there right. is that's not really, <laughs> you're not really keeping it broad. And that happens not just with the, the career path, but also with identity. Right? Because we're going to feel more comfortable with people like us. That's human nature. Well, hence, when you look at how these rooms and uh, I think of uh, if, for the visualization of folks, if you're looking at like a, an office tower and an entire floor, mm -hmm. there's a lot of similarity on a lot of floors. Yeah. And if you ever walk into a, a cubicle network and kind of swivel your head, unless it's in the public service world, mm -hmm. most likely, it's mm -hmm. going to have a lot more similarities and differences. Yeah, and I will say that um, you know we are we're we're coming along in the diversity conversation. So you're going to start you're, you're starting to see more difference. Good. But if you if we take your analogy of floors, right, mm -hmm. with the entry level being floor one and the middle management being floor two, and then the senior management being floor three, and the C-suite being floor four, the higher up you get, the more homogeneous it gets. Oh yeah. Right. Yep. So there's a ceiling. And so again, that's the difference between, that's one of the ways diversity versus inclusion manifests itself. Cause you can collect as many people as you want that look different and have different experience. That's great. Check you put them boxes. all in a room together. Check, check, check. Yeah. That's diversity. The inclusion piece is how do those people feel in that environment? How are they encouraged to share their different perspectives? How are those perspectives valued? And how are those perspectives used to further a project or to move the company in maybe a different direction? And, and we know that inclusion lowers risk and, and builds creativity and innovation. We know that. But people think that if they have a diverse employee base, the inclusion, ha that all those benefits happen automatically, and they don't. So if we're looking at the three, the three monikers of diversity, inclusion, and equity, right. really inclusion and equity, what I'm hearing is that that, that goes together much closer in identifying the uniqueness of individuals mm -hmm. to allow those opportunities mm -hmm. for them to to be who they truly are and be accepted to who they are and then yeah. to even how can you put it um to, to promote them to be uh in that that mindset mm -hmm. and identify the fact that that is why they're here to begin with is that we want who you are as a person yeah. period Absolutely. and everything you bring to the table Absolutely. not these little ticky boxes yeah in the ticky box system, and I use that phrase from my workforce development friends, and apologize to any of you listening, but you guys say it all the time, so you've made me adopt it <laughs> over the past year, um, but because it's always based on funding. Mm. There's always funding around this type of stuff, and so there's a lot of uh, checks and balances that have to be maintained to a, a, attribute to the funding, but there's no funding on inclusion. There's yeah. no funding on retention, and there's no funding on, yeah. on uh, equity in the workplace. Right. Yeah, because we're all about optics. Yeah. Oh my God, there's something we can unpack. Yeah, we could unpack that for a while. Yeah. Well, let's and go there. Let's go there. Okay. You know what? Because I think it's, we might as well open up strong. Um, why, why? Give me your sense of the optics. Give me your sense of what's actually happening with optics. Because I have my opinion and I don't want to shape it. I don't want you just to be kind of helping shape my opinion for the listeners. I want you to unpack what you're seeing with optics. Okay. Well, what I'm seeing is that um, companies are getting in quotation marks, understanding um, that diversity is important. Whether they believe it or whether they just think they should hop on the bandwagon because it's good for business to be seen that way, who knows, right? right? But but there's a there's a growing interest in diversity and inclusion and they go together, D&I, right? But we're, we're, what I'm seeing and hearing and, and noticing is that mostly the, the, uh, the focus is on the D. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so what do we look like in this office and who's not here and let's get some people in here that look different. Okay, great. 
so then so then we let's say company a um goes through the has a new hiring a new pool of, of new hires and they're very conscious about including diversity into their workforce and so they're hiring with diversity in mind okay so we have that big conversation about wow it has to be the best person for the job okay so that statement in and of itself suggests that if you don't look like x right and we can list all the dominant groups yeah. white male christian able-bodied heterosexual right almost got them all english speaking yeah. um i'm sure i'm missing some well not just able-bodied but abled yeah. right yeah. In, yeah. in various ways uh i think i got most of the highlights right um if we don't look like this then maybe we're not qualified that's what that statement means it does it does right Yes, yeah, I'm depressing. Like my head's going down with a sense of depression because that's a have to hire the best person for the job. Yeah. So okay, so let's let's unpack that for a second. If what you're suggesting is that if the person doesn't look like this, they may not be qualified, which of course is possible. But your the, the the picture that you're drawing is that this person would be qualified and this person may not be qualified, and you're you're it's you're setting up a dichotomy there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the first problem. Then hopefully you have a good hiring process where you're asking good questions. Um, obviously, you're going to be looking for the skill set that you need. And hopefully you have people from diverse walks of life applying with those skill sets that you're looking for qualified, right? right? Then we have to go through the hiring process. Well, the hiring process is flawed because we are flawed as human beings. We have bias. We have personal bias that we pick up along the way through our experience. And then there's unconscious bias that comes in through all the media messaging we get, which tells us who has value and who has less. And guess what? That same demographic that I just described, those are all the identities that have value in the media. Right? Yeah, you're right. Oh, so subco- forgot, subconsciously, that's ingrained. Yeah, we forgot social, we forgot um, socioeconomic status, right? So, yes. Right? So, so automatically, if you show up with those dominant identities, if you're white, that's a big one. If you're male, that's a big one. And they're identifiable, mm-hmm. right? You walk in a room, you can usually tell if somebody is white and usually you can tell if they're male. So, so, you, so we have biases that, that tell us who's you know, responsible, who should be in a leadership role, who we can count on. Like if I, if, if I asked your listeners right now to close their eyes and imagine a CEO, right? Oh yeah, you're who, getting- pop, who pops into your head? And they and they always almost have hair. I'm jealous of that, but they they tend to have hair, sil- silvery hair, salt and pepper hair, okay, salt and pepper hair, yeah. right? A six foot to six foot four, yeah. typically taller than six foot. Yeah, they're going to be in some sort of crisp, clean suit. Mm-hmm. You're picturing the windows of the office behind them in right. some sort of power position, probably arms crossed, staring at you yeah. with a bit of a menacing stare. They probably don't even have glasses unless it's a tech firm, then they have glasses. Mm. And uh, yeah, that kind of picture comes there. In this day and age, beards are trendy again, so they might have a beard. Yeah. So and they're male. And they're oh, they're men. And yeah. Yeah, that was given men. Well, I was right? I already was past that point. Yeah. yeah, and they're probably straight. Yeah, and they're and they're probably able-bodied. I even see the scotch on the counter behind their desk. Ah, uh, a la Mad Men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it is. Like, you right? Think about that. It is. But but if you think about you know, and I and I bet you ninety percent of your listeners, regardless of what they look like, will have that same picture in their head, yeah. right? I have that same picture in my yeah. head. What that does is, if you just think of that slice of 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 profession of people, that's the image that we have for leader. That's the image that we have for responsible. That's the image that we have of, you know, somebody who can fill in the blank, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, hey, listen, I can understand with this. I'm coming from construction. Right. There's a picture as well. There's okay. a picture of, of the plaid, the jeans, possibly suspenders, probably not properly tucked in, always wearing work boots 24-7. Mm. Uh, they're probably carrying a hard hat and an old lunch pail and thermos that no one uses anymore. And they drive a pickup truck, they smoke, and there's a case of beer in the back of the tailgate. <laughs> that's the image that's painted. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. they're white men yeah. and they're probably midlife between 40 and 55. Right. The, the image that's drawn. Yeah. So you see how bias works, right? Yeah, and some of that, again, is, is through experience and some of that is we're taught right. through the media, consciously and unconsciously. So when you're, when you're trying to hire for diversity, that gets in the way. Yeah. And there's ways you can mitigate that and there's ways that you can be, be aware of that to sort of, again, to mitigate it, to work around it. And I do feel like we're doing better with that. <clears throat> I, a society in Canada... Maybe just Ontario. Maybe I'll, I'll even pigeonhole it a bit more. Maybe even GTA. Maybe just Toronto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe they're pulling it down a bit more. Yeah. Um, Ottawa's pretty good too. Um, yeah. But th- there's at least effort. I, I feel I feel it's a conscious effort. And there's as effort. you commented, maybe the, yeah. maybe not necessarily the right motivators, but yeah. there is something happening. There is something happening. And so the D part of the conversation 
um, is moving forward. But then what happens is you have a room of people who look different. Mm -hmm. Then what do you do? Is it business as usual? And usually it is business as usual. Yeah, and then they don't stick around. They may not stick around or they stick around and their experience is, is I've been in workplaces where people are, you know, terrified, where people are feeling like they're not supported, where people are afraid to speak. That's just wrong. Right? Because they're black or because they're gay or because they're female, right? They're, they, they feel like if they say something, there might be negative repercussions. So what, what's the result of that? They don't talk. They don't share their perspective. So what's the point of having all those quote unquote diverse people in the room if nobody's talking, is if it, nobody's it, speaking up and saying, hey, by the way, that doesn't work for me and here's why. And if it doesn't work for me, it might not work for our clients and here's why. Like how many ads have we seen that have gone wrong? There was just a recent one, right? Dolce & Gabbana just had oh, a big blowout. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. Right? So how yeah. many ads have we seen like that where, where somebody had a great idea and they ran with it and maybe if they had more people around the table, mm. that might have changed. Somebody may have, you know, that might have changed what came out, right, in the media. But it's not even who's around the table. Because if I'm sitting around the table and I'm not, not going to speak up because I'm afraid or I'm not going to speak up because nobody ever listens anyways or because what I say isn't valued around this table, I can be at that table and still have something like that come out. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's absolutely. the inclusion piece. Yep. And that's what we're not doing well. No, we're not doing that well because we're collecting people as it looks good. The optics are great. We can say, look, we have a diverse workforce. But if you talk to the people in that workforce, you're going to see a discrepancy between the ones that look like that dominant narrative and the ones that don't in terms of how safe they feel, in terms of how much a sense of belonging they have, in terms of how valued they feel and in terms of how much they feel like they're important in that particular environment. Have you encountered, um, I'm going to put this. Mm -hmm. Have you encountered a mentality where time, you know, people feel that time has allowed or have, has been passing to a point where the change has been coming along with time mm -hmm. and they feel like it's just going to take more time. So people feel like they're sitting back on their laurels and just waiting for time to take care of this change in, in terms of inclusion. Like they're just waiting for someone else to do it. Because I, I, mm -hmm. I see in workplaces that there's a conversation that is getting better around diversity, um, rightly and wrongly. And, um, and I say that from a moral standpoint. I mean, if you're not doing it for the right reasons, that is actually to create uh, equal opportunities, then I don't understand why you're doing it. Um, but some people also have a mentality that, well, over time, like it's gotten better on over time, which mm -hmm. kind of signifies to me they haven't had anything to do with the change. <laughs> and then the mentality is that, well, in time will take care of that too. Yeah. Like if they're just there, if people are just, if we just create a diverse, diverse workforce, you know, time's just going to solve this problem. Right. Yeah. That's an interesting statement. I haven't heard that a lot, but that doesn't mean people aren't thinking it. Yeah. Maybe they're just not saying it to me. Yeah. Well, probably not. Cause I was yeah. terrified to say it to you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, but it's a good question because you just mentioned, you know, different generations and how you're the kids that you're working with or the kids in your house, the kids, their friends, they see the world differently. They experience the world differently. So yes, time will change things. But we have to right? do more than wait for time though. But we have to be proactive. And right. and in some cases, you know, some organizations, they're waiting for the dinosaurs to leave. Right? That, that, that's kind of where I was going with some of that. So they can have bigger conversations. And yeah, that that's going to help. Right? Because but, it's hard to change people that are of a certain age and a certain mindset. For sure. Sometimes. Sometimes. Not always. And I was just going to say, I feel bad because some of those dinosaurs, and I have friends that are dinosaurs, and I call them dinosaurs, so <laughs> it's fair. Um, they actually themselves are the innovators who have mm -hmm. seen this, and yeah. they've recognized for a long time they want to make this type of change. They wanted the, the environment to be something that is much more reflective of their home where they live a lifestyle that is what they're trying to transfer into the workplace mm. is actually opposite. Because mm -hmm. often when we think of the big bosses, their lifestyle kind of looks the same way as their work life. That's our bias again, right? right? Our bias. Yeah. And I've come across a lot of these, these people that are closer to the end of their careers that are mm -hmm. going, no, 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 no. Like now's my chance to make the corrective measures to start mm -hmm. making the changes. So with that being said, if any of those dinosaurs are listening, um, <laughs> I say that they're, they're hopefully laughing or they just shut it off. Um, but either way, um, do you have any tips on where they can start 
with inclusion. I mean, diversity, oh, these, yeah. these people are probably already started the, the conversation a while ago on trying to create a diverse opportunity. Hopefully. So they're probably at the point now, okay, how do I get, and again, back to the bias, they probably never grew up in an environment where they were being taught how to do things better. Possibly not. They're yeah. probably being reinforced the stereotypes. Yeah. So yeah. how do they, how, what are some tips to start? Tips to start. Well, we start with awareness. Right. And so if if you're someone in a leadership position that um, is feeling this like this is important for you and you want to start to create change, you're in the best position to create that change because of your position, because of the power that you have in that position and because of what you may look like. Right. Right. If you're part of the dominant group, if you have that social power, you are the best person to push this forward because you're not seen as taking it personally, standing on a soapbox. Right. That's interesting you say that because yeah. the perspective often is that, oh, I can't do it. I hear this mm. because I am a no. white male no, in no, charge, no. so I shouldn't be the person doing this. No. Okay. So let's be clear. We need champions. Okay. And the champions have to be in leadership positions. Period. Right. To make it work. It, it has to be a top down. We're going to do this. We're going to be accountable for the change. This is really important. Here's why. People have to le- uh, hear that from the top. Right. Absolutely. Yep. If it's not a top down and I'm not saying, you know, oppressive from the top, right? No, no. But it has to be something that the leadership of an organization is passionate about and committed to. They have to role model that. Excellent. If they role model it, then it's more likely that other people will be like, Okay, it's safe to do this now. It becomes a norm. It becomes a norm. And the other thing that's important is if your leadership is role modeling it, if your leadership is requiring it requiring it, then you're you're senior leaders, your managers, your middle managers, they have to get on board. Right. Because the person at the top is is saying this is important, right? Then it then it shows up in performance review and people are held accountable for their actions, for their professional development, for the for their um for their participation in that commitment. Okay? As opposed to bottom up, which I've seen a lot of, right? right. I get I get I I'm brought in because a department needs some some help or the, the manager of a certain department is really passionate about this, but then there's a ceiling because it, it can't go any further because the pe- person above them doesn't get it. No. Doesn't want to do it. They're satisfied leaving it there, solving that problem, right. that immediate problem. And there's just so much you can do from bottom up. Right. It's, it's ideally would be a sandwich, right? Yes. Bottom up, top down. Okay. So if you're in a leadership role um, and you're part of dominant groups, male, white, being two of the big ones, you're in the perfect position to champion this. Because if you get it, then other people that look like you will have the opportunity to get it. If I'm in a leadership role as a, as a woman of color and I get it, it's really easy for people to push that aside and say, oh, yeah, but that's, you know. Mm. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I, absolutely. I have been, um, I can't uh, itemize the exact location and time because it'll, it'll give away too many details, but I have had a, uh, multiple scenarios, but there's definitely one recently where um, a black female CEO came in and shared a story mm-hmm. and it was just, wow, like you fought everything along the way. Mm-hmm. It was amazing, empowering, fantastic. I shouldn't use the word empowering because quite frankly, it wasn't empowering to me because what I looked at was like, you did all these great challenges and people can relate and I'm looking and I struggled to say, okay. I'm empathetic. I'm, I, I, I like to believe I'm very empathetic. Mm-hmm. I, I believe in empathy. I believe in caring about other people's feelings. It's, it's a really big kicker for me, and I try to pass that to the kids. Mm-hmm. It's very important. I get that. But then I think about people that are much like me in my world of work, and they would just pigeonhole that to, well, that's another story that doesn't relate to me. Yeah. A- and they, great, you made your changes. And they would just start finding all the rationale of how that doesn't relate to them yeah. as opposed to making the relationship. Yeah. And so... Yeah. I really appreciate what you're saying there yeah. big time. And that leads to, so that leads into another tip, right? So the first, the first tip is you need to raise your own awareness. So read, talk to people like, you know, listen to podcasts, <laughs> whatever yeah. you have to do to, to increase your awareness about inclusion and, and equity and what that really means. And the, and the different experiences that people are having in your city, in the world, in your, right. And, and then, and then you want to talk to people in your organization. So one of the, one of the amazing things that I've seen, um, that works well in organizations is reverse mentorship. Oh yes. You know what that is? Yes. Yes. I do. But yeah. Please explain. So reverse mentorship is when, um, it's the person in the leadership position who is being mentored by somebody in a more junior position. And if you use that in a diversity context, right, you can have like a, a breakfast and have round tables set up and, 
if you've created a safe environment, you can't just one day decide to do this, oh. right? So, so the other tip is start thinking about how safe your environment is and talk to people about, you know, it's important that we learn together, that we have a culture of learning, that we want to improve, that we want to hear from people. And over time, as you build that safe space for people or a safer space for people, you can get to a place where you might be able to have reverse mentoring, where you can sit around a table and hear from your employees who are racialized. I'm not sure I love that term, but that's the term the Human Rights Commission uses. So hear from your racialized employees, hear from your LGBTQ employees. What's it like for them to work here? Yeah. Yeah. And if you and before you get to that, you may want to do a survey. Right. So an anonymous can, survey. Anonymous survey. Yeah. To um, you know, that's one of the things I do when I go into organizations. We do an anonymous survey so that you get a read because some people are going to be ecstatic to work there. Yeah. And you're probably hearing from them. And some people are going to be like, oh, I have to go to work today. OK. I've heard people that sit in the parking lot for 15 to 20 minutes just to get the courage up to walk into work. That's unbelievable. Every day. Unbelievable. Right? Because they're fill in the blank. Yeah. Black, gay, female, of a certain age, not... Cre- you know what I mean? Like yep. those identities that quote unquote stand out. Yeah. Or not. Even if even if your identity is invisible. It's still a thing. It's you your identity. F- it's you who you are. F- right. You feel like you don't belong there. You don't feel safe there for whatever reason. and But you, but you need a job. And this is right? it. Oh, man. There's there's so many things you, you kind of... There's one, f- one, set, one thing you said safe space yeah well safer space safer you can space. never guarantee safe space 100 percent. no everybody. but that that phrase um when i look across the different generations mm-hmm. it's amazing how that is taking quite the beating that terminology is it i i feel it is and and, and well because people go oh they need their safe space this, this generation needs their safe space mm-hmm. and they get they get ridiculed the fact that they, they they're not tough they're not able to handle things and oh. and i kind of laugh because the audience or that sorry the the people that are perpetrating that that mentality they don't think about the fact that when they were young, they actually lived in a completely safe space because they were all the dominant traits. Relatively. They could say what they wanted. People almost yeah. had to listen to them because they were the next generation. Mm-hmm. And they were in a very strong vocalized position that could could say what they wanted. And they didn't really take anything from anybody. And the society was set up differently. It was, it was a massive amount of change. Like if you think about the late 60s and 70s, it was a massive amount of change. Mm-hmm. And if you were a teenager in that time frame, safe space was a completely different conversation than what it is today. Mm-hmm. And so I find that when the the phrase safe space comes up, it gets really it almost becomes derogatory depending mm-hmm. who's who's That's saying it. Yeah. And I understand what you mean by a safe space is where someone is comfortable to be themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what a safe safe space means. I just yeah. really want to unpack that right yeah. now because yeah. it was one of those things where I haven't been able to have a position to say it on here at the right time and this is the right time. Great. Yeah. Um because I think that it's almost lost in translation, yeah. what people are using it for. And remember that if you if you look like the leadership of an organization, if you, if you are similar to the leadership of an organization, then the likelihood of you feeling safer in that space is higher. Yeah, you couldn't even relate to the conversation anyways. Yeah. You might sit in your car for 15 minutes before you went in because you were hungover from the night before or you, you didn't do something <laughs> properly and you're, you're not looking forward to dealing with the rhetoric of the fact you didn't do your job right. That's a completely different That's conversation different. from sitting in the car, actually terrified to go to work to be yourself. Yeah. That is the worst. I can't even, I cannot relate. I'm the first person. I cannot relate. And I can't believe people do. I feel so horrible that it's, people do. It's sad. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's, de- it's devastating. Um, and so again, just like inclusion, if you feel good coming into work, if you feel like this is a place where you can speak up, be yourself, then you may assume that everybody feels that way. Oh, wow. Right. And if we overlay identity, there are going to be identities, you know, with social power, with privilege that are going to feel that way in that space. He's, and made, he's made my brain hurt. <laughs> but it's a great point. I mean, it's it's, it's the point um, yeah. that we get caught up. We get caught up in our own realities a lot. Yeah. And then we assume, which is uh, we all know the phrase for assuming. We so yeah. let yeah. me ask then, because um, I know we're, we're kind of running a little tight on time. But um, do you think that this the... The workplaces who are still working, they're, they're trying to develop um, better and more uh, transparent practices around inclusion and mm-hmm. equity. Do you feel that, and I don't know how close you are to these audiences now, but the next generation of worker coming mm-hmm. along, do you feel that they're, they're able to see when a workplace is uh, providing a safe environment, providing an inclusive environment, do you think it's on display? And do you think that has something to do with their selection process, what, what they might want to do? Yep. Yep, it, I think it, um, maybe not with, I'm not sure about what they want to do, like in, in terms of profession, right. but definitely when they're choosing where to apply. 
it's on people's radar. And so that is forcing companies to be more transparent and to really evaluate their commitment because, you know, the war on talent, right? We it, but get it is the, a true war. I mean, it's, fair. Right. We want to get the best and the brightest yeah. and those best and brightest um, are demanding spaces, partly, I think, because of that new awareness, right? New generation, different, different reality that they've, that they've grown up in. They get DNI in a way that people in leadership typically don't. So they're they're looking for that, and they don't they won't stick around, and I think regardless of their own identity, in some cases, right? It's not just going to be the the people of color or the LGBTQ folks or women that are looking for that. It's it's also going to be white men who are be like, you know what? I want to work in an environment that values people because that's what I believe in. That's and that's probably coming a product of coming from a system who's been working on that for some time now. Yeah. You know, the 90s, we don't like to say it, but that was almost two decades ago. Sorry. Um, My kids remind me all the time. They refer to the 90s now, I guess, how I used to refer to the 70s and 80s. And I'm like, oh, geez. Um, But they're right. Um, That that work that's been done that's laid the foundation to start creating that change is, Mm -hmm. in one way, it's almost inspiring to hear that the generation of worker out there now, like if that's sitting in their top three list kind of mentality of what they're looking at a workplace, Mm -hmm. that's great. Because they're also going to be pushing from the other end to drive, they drive will that be. change. They will be. Now, what I'm not sure about is um, the the level of awareness that comes with the new awareness that the new generation has. I was going to say, right? Yeah. So there's a definite awareness about diversity and how important that is. But sometimes when you're used to seeing stuff around you and you're comfortable with difference, you don't go deeper. Yeah. And the deeper question is, okay, so your workplace is diverse and your company has a commitment to diversity and inclusion. What does that look like? And are we having conversations about systemic issues, systemic racism, systemic sexism, systemic, you know, heterosexism, all those isms that it's not about an interaction between two people. It's about how are those, how is that way of devaluing somebody baked into our structures and our policies? And I'm not sure if this generation coming up um, interrogates that. Yet. I'm not sure about that. Yet. yet. Maybe yet. Yeah, I think, bit, I think I feel confident, and I say it often when I get a chance to speak to you know folks under the age of 25, I said, I feel like you're going to change everything. I, I, and I think you have the potential. I so. I, you really have the I potential because really so. a lot has changed. If we do look at two decades yeah. and we measure that against the decades previous, it certainly has had a lot of change. Yeah, and we have to celebrate those changes, yeah, it's right? Been, it's easy to be like, we're not there yet and there's so much work to do, but we have come quite a distance. Quite a distance when you really look at it. And I, I, I hear that from those dinosaurs yeah. that are advocates. And they, they explain to me like, you know, I've been in this working world for 45 years. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what I've seen in 45 years? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you have seen the absolute, complete, like, worst stuff that we can't even believe happen. Mm-hmm. You saw it as a norm. Yeah. And you're on the other end now having conversations that were impossible. You would just be fired and probably beaten up in the parking lot for even having these conversations. Yeah. So, yes, that extreme is insane. Um, but I feel very confident that, and maybe that's just my optimism, but I feel like there's a there's a potential from this, this generation to say, once we get our feet into these positions... Mm-hmm. And we do have that look around. We're going to say, well, this isn't good enough. I hope and so. they do that with a lot of things already. Do they? Like they yeah. I, I, I often say, if you go into a high school or you're dealing with anyone, like I said, under the 20, age 25, college, university, under, they really don't take a lot of BS. They have mm. the best BS detect- detectors out there. Mm-hmm. It's fast. It's quick. They call you out on it. And quickly, I've seen a lot of people have to turn and pivot and they're lost because they were not prepared mm. to be called out or challenged for things. Amazing. And I see that and I'm hoping that they carry that in the work world and they don't shut it off because there is a, a real danger that when we leave post-secondary, we leave uh, um, high school, that we kind of turn that off and expect that, well, it's the real world now. So as the real world, I right. can't think like that. Keep no, you're wrong. We're actually trying to get you to bring that in. That's the yeah. whole point of why you're learning that stuff mm-hmm. is you're supposed to try to take it forward. Yeah. So hopefully that's some messaging that comes out of it. But yeah. well, what do you got on the horizon? We're going to kind of pack up because I know we got you got a, another appointment coming. So we'll yeah. we'll wrap up from there. But we're going to be having a conversation again because we need to talk about what the difference is between equality and equity and what that actually means. <laughs> we didn't touch that, and <laughs> we I feel touched like on it a little bit. We, we talked did. about the breakfast in school, right? But yeah, in the workplace, uh, it looks a little bit different. I think there's a huge conversation there about equity, on, and yeah. particularly when I think about skill trades how important that conversation is going to be. Yeah. Um, because it's such, when I think about the world of work and I think about skilled trade, for example, and again, my bias, comes through, but I think about that. Um, it's such a foreign 
foreign world of work in a lot of ways because they've they kind of islanded themselves for a long time because mm-hmm. they were they were sustainable mm-hmm. but now they have to uh reach into the the youth of today mm-hmm. to build a workforce for tomorrow right and in doing that there's a lot of changes mm-hmm. and so there's there's a big distance and disconnect between what it takes and what it is to be a construction worker mm-hmm. how that world of work does exist mm-hmm. um and then how to bridge those differences and that individuality in those differences that is a real struggle and so bet, this yeah. is that kind of capstones, I think, uh, Amory, uh, yeah. part two. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that is... Uh, we can dive in. And I, I'll just say, just as a, as a little teaser for that, that um, the conversation that I was having around that table where you met me, right, during that conference was, and I can't remember the gentleman's name, but but he was giving me an insight. I said to him, he's like, you know, we're probably one of the last um, frontiers for this work. And I'm like, why do you think that is? Because he's been doing it for it, right? And he said to me, you know, you have to think about that it hasn't been that long since we've had like toilets on site, running water for people to wash their hands. So we've been dealing with other things. And that was such a powerful statement for me. I'm not in the construction world. I don't know, right? But I was like, oh, okay. So that's the basic on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, yeah. Now that you've got some of that sorted out, now we can start talking about and other some of things. that, not some even of that, all not of even it. all of that, oh, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so how do we have a conversation about equity when you can't go to the bathroom, right? Now you can't take your winter clothes off at lunch because you'll freeze. So, yeah. right? So, yeah, it's an interesting world, it's and, an interesting and, world. and that's why I find very, very fun doing this podcast and trying to broaden my perspective and horizons, and maybe my selfish nature of this podcast to broaden my perspective and horizons across other worlds of work and kind of Mm -hmm. chuckle sometimes going, wow, yeah, we really are off on an island. And we, as, you know, construction industry, um, we need to probably start paddling that island back to shore. Mm -hmm. Like we have to take the leadership Mm -hmm. to connect and and see what we can start drawing for change and how how do we assimilate that change because it's, right. it's not going to be easy no, it's it's, it's um, not. and no. construction it's it, some parts don't change and i can get into a whole industry conversation and it's not necessarily just because of the workforce or the management or the companies the whole ecosystem of how it works from completion uh from project startup or envision to completion mm-hmm. and how the money works for that process there's a lot of people responsible for keeping it that way Mm. And they don't necessarily own their responsibility. They don't understand that their responsibility. I mean, a client who purchases um, land to build a building, they don't often think about that they have a role to play on diversity and inclusion Mm -hmm. and equity Mm -hmm. and workplace basics. And they actually have a a responsibility, but they don't know that. They don't think that way. They think they just put money at it. Wouldn't it be great? Oh, well, yeah. It's part of that initial conversation. (laughs) I mean, even just, you know, when I go in and I do workshops, one of the first things I do is a land acknowledgement, right? Um, Whose land are we on? Yes. And sometimes people know and hands go up and we have a conversation and sometimes there's crickets. I often say not ours. Yeah, well, even, and then I get but, a lot of trouble for that. But even that, <laughs> even that is a point of entry for yeah. people to go. Oh wait, let me think about that. Yeah, what? Yeah, right? my, my kids say it to me all the time, and uh, I bless my heart. I give my daughter a lot of praise in this podcast, so I hope she she lives up to it. But um, <laughs> she she comments. Someone was having a conversation about um, indigenous people, and I'm kind of looking at her to get a little peaked. I can see her peaking a little bit, and I, I said to her afterwards, like, "What was your thought on that?" She goes, "Why do people keep calling it ours?" Like we showed up we yeah. did some horrible things yeah. and she's like and, and, she's co- and continue she's, to do those she's in grade seven things. she's yeah. like these things aren't really yeah. done yet like she goes and i said well what do you think of the current you know movement i'm calling it of reconciliation mm-hmm. because it is, a, is it is being led from the top which is fantastic mm-hmm. um and i mean one of the things i actually love our prime minister for is for that mm-hmm. um because that was a bold step and yeah. people say they can't believe it's a bold step i said it shouldn't i know it shouldn't it be a bold step but it was because be there are people yeah. that resent that he did that not just, not just not like it. They flat yeah. out resent it. And she just, like she says to me, she goes, well, if you look across the spectrum of like what's happened in the world, she goes, that ranks up on like the list of horrible things people did to each other. Yeah. Like it's a historic, it sure it's, it's a historic thing. She's like 300 years from now, that's going to be a top 10 category thing. That's going to be on a list that we don't want to talk about, but it's there. Yeah. Well, it's and, on the list already, I would say. Right? And, and she said, but it's there, but because we're so close to it, she goes, I, she thinks that we kind of keep away from it. Yeah. And I, and I think that's so horrible, but I'm like, again, back to the fact that, okay, yeah. if you're cognizant of this and you're, you're stuck in your phone, no different than any other 12 year old and you spend mm-hmm. your time on Netflix way too much. So I'm like, you're not doing anything special. You're just cognizant of it. 
and I'm, I'm proud of better that. better than where, where we were. Oh, 100%. I mean, I should speak for myself, better than where I was. Oh, I, you can, right? you can copy in that, 100%. So there's your there's yeah. your progress. Yeah, we did our four weeks of uh, First Nation studies in like grade eight, and that was the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it was the same stories. And, yeah, yeah. And mostly we, we, about battles. Yeah, fur trade. That was about it. Oh, and some, yeah. Somebody with a canoe. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, and I use that as an example, right? To people, I say, you know, how many of you learned about Indigenous yeah. histories, cultures, languages in school? And like depending on the room yeah right the younger the 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 age of the people in the room the more hands go up so that's that's encouraging right that we're at least the curriculum is changing and acknowledging that there are histories we haven't talked about and it goes back to the conversation we started with was the idea of of like perspective and empathy and understanding that you know understand where someone's coming from and where they are and, and trying to be open to that idea so when we talk about and i talk about indigenous people like you put yourself there. Try. I know you can't. For you some can. people, some There's people you no can't. Way you could but just really for one put second, yourself there. But understand that yeah. you can't, and understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Respect that that you can't put yourself Absolutely. there to know that there's enough of a divide that if things are different and things are challenging, yeah. there, there's rationale to that, and that's okay. But don't give up either. Mm-hmm. Like carry forward, carry yeah. forward, and figure it out. And there is no. I don't think there's a perfect recipe. I think it's just. I think it has to be um, holistic and honest mm-hmm. effort. Yeah at the end of the day well the the divide you mentioned is really interesting and so i'll answer your question about sort of what's up for me next um as using that as a segue because um i think i do this work a little bit differently than other people may in this in this field in that i you know i come from a history of divide i come from a biracial household two very different ways of seeing the world two very different cultures so my commitment is always to bridge that right to help people see each other more to help people see situations more differently, to understand ourselves more and differently, right? And to and to acknowledge that um, inclusion only happens when we feel connected. Oh wow! Right? It only You're happens right. when we feel connected, and it's an outcome. I work with inclusion as an outcome. It's not a, something you focus on. It's something you create through various other channels. And so, what's next for me is that. Um, I'm launching a program in the new year called the ABCs of Inclusion. Oh, nice. And so I've been doing a lot of workshops over the last 14 and a half years, workshops, presentations. Um, and in the last few years, I've been transitioning into providing more process support for organizations because it really is a journey, right? And so that's what's up for me next year. So Excellent. I'm really and excited about that. And I'm trying to, I don't recall, but I have a sneaking suspicion. There, is there going to be a book are you going to write a book? <laughs> like, I have so many books already written in my computer. It's it's sad. Um, yeah, one day there'll be a book. I am working on one. Um, it's not work related. It's about my it's about my life, a very oh, wow. specific aspect of my life, um, having a child. Uh, but it, it's 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 a similar conversation because it touches on all these things because of who I am. Right? Oh, fantastic! No, yeah. I just just the way you articulate a conversation and carry something in the flow. And I'm sitting here and I, I'm peeking the clock, trying to be cognizant because I know you have an appointment. <laughs> and I'm realizing this is one of those come podca- back. We'll this is one again. of those podcasts that's going to be hours. Yeah. Like it just we just carry wow. on, look up and go, whoa, <laughs> yeah. And I love it. I love it. And Emory, I can't not thank you enough for the time. Um, I'll have all of the um, plugs to your website and everything's okay, going to add it up at the end. I do the tail end with all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. We'll add all that link together. But you absolutely must, you must check out Emory. Sign up for her weekly newsletter. I've been reading it. And have you? I have been oh, reading good. it and it's helping me even just on my language in the conversation, um, understanding the words I'm using and why I'm using them. Uh, it's been so helpful that's so because great. you do hit roadblocks when you try to, to conversate about something. I, oh, I got told the other day, talk about, don't use yes. the word conversate. It's not a word. Yeah. Um, I was going to say it. That's a new one. I've I had someone really scold Converse. me on that. Yeah, one day I got scolded to the point where I got stopped dead. It was <laughs> awesome. And oh, bless yeah. her heart. I love her for doing it too. Um, <laughs> Anyways, uh, to have the conversations um, and to when you start to talk out of turn a little bit, mm-hmm. you all of a sudden shut down because you yeah. you know you feel you feel like you're slightly embarrassed and, yeah. and you didn't know what you're talking about, yep. and then you feel oh I should I should just kept my mouth shut I shouldn't have been here anyways. Mm. So trying to to have the conversation where you feel confident and comfortable mm-hmm. to to help eliminate or even just not have the the barriers in the conversations just mm-hmm. just to carry forward. Um, your stuff your newsletters really help. Oh. Good. a lot and I've been going back and like trying to dig up everything I can and then I've been like totally creeping your LinkedIn going back on stuff too because your LinkedIn <laughs> has some really great stuff well so, maybe I'll make that into a book I, yeah. I have thought about that I have a lot of blog posts well there's a I lot of people that need help there really is the confidence to engage in these conversations can be very 
taxing for some people. Well, and that's the key, right? Which is, yeah. which is, which goes back to the support piece. Because if, if you, I'm happy to come in and do a workshop anytime, but if I come in and do a workshop and there's no, there's no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Buy-in? Uh, no, not buy-in. But if people don't feel confident, comfortable to continue those conversations that we start in the workshop, it dies. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then the momentum that you that you thought you were starting by by having the workshop, by having somebody come in, me or somebody else um, can actually g- work against you because people get like, well, we tried this already and look what happened last time. Nothing, There's nowhere yeah. for me to talk. Nobody gets it. Why are we doing this? It's all it's all for show. Right. Yeah. You need to have people in your organization that can that can pick up those conversations, the hard conversations mm-hmm. and hear people and be open to hearing about their experiences so that you can start to create change together. That's huge, huge. And that's, a, again, it's about connection. It's about understanding. It's about awareness. I'm living in you know, my skin. You're living in yours. What does that mean? What does it mean to be diverse in Canada? What does it mean to be a person of color? What does it mean to be white? What does it mean to be LGBTQ? What does it mean to be straight? We know about the dominant narrative because we see it and hear it a lot. We know about diversity because we see it. We don't stop and ask the question, what does it mean? Wow. Well, we're going to wrap there. Drop the mic. Yeah, done. That was a mic drop. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, folks, uh, that's another episode of Accidental Apprentice Podcast. That is by far the deepest and probably most intelligent conversation we've had. And now I have a standard to keep up, which won't be from my half. It'll have to be from the guest. So anyways, thank you so much. And everyone, we'll, uh, we'll catch you later. Take care.